0: Hey guys, Michael here. We are almost done with this. I swear we just need to hit our goal and we thank everyone who has supported us so far. If you haven't yet, check out our book, Plan Twice, Build Once. We feature some of the amazing entrepreneurs we talked to this year. I'm talking Heat and Shaw, Brad Flora, Gabriel Weinberg, Leslie Bradshaw, Ali Gardner, and so so many more we 've taken all of the the best insights and those those tidbits that you listen for. We put them together in a beautiful bound hardcover book. This is something you flip through, you get inspiration, you keep it on your coffee table. We are so proud of what we've put together here and we're so excited to get it into your hand. So go to Rocketship.fm forward slash 2015. That's Rocketship.fm forward slash 2015 and order the book today. It's just $50. You help us support this program and help us to bring you this program next year. We are so close and we thank you. All right, so enough of this. Let's get on to the show. We've got a fantastic one today.
1: Welcome to the Rocketship Podcast. I'm Joel Steiniger.
2: I'm Michael Saka. And I'm Matt Goldman. Today we talked with Sam Sofis. You might know him from some apps that he's built, including Cheddar, Shares, and Rune. Sam works on so many different things, and it was really interesting to hear how he splits his time between freelancing and his own products to make time to really devote himself to the things that he wants to work on. What do you think of this one, Michael? This was probably the most open
0: conversation I think that we've ever had. It was really honest, and you really get to kind of the root of what motivates uh sam every day and and why he does what he does online and and with the products that he built so i really enjoyed this one i think there's a lot of relatable nuggets to kind of pull out of it uh joelle what did you think
1: i agree with you on that i actually you know people always like to say how productive they are and how much they're getting done and here's my tips and tricks for a super productive day and all that stuff and he just came right out and said, if I'm not really motivated by something for whatever reason, I'll watch Netflix or I just won't work on it. And I just really like that honesty. Yeah. So it, it was just nice to hear someone tell the truth for once. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, let's
2: get into it. We'd like to take a moment to thank our awesome sponsors. Codeship makes continuous delivery simple and easy. Go to codeship.com slash rocketship to get 20% off three months.
1: Customer.io is a modern email platform built for startups. Go to customer.io slash rocket ship to start sending emails that convert.
0: We'd also like to thank InVision app. InVision is by far the best prototyping and collaboration tool on the market. I can personally say I can't imagine delivering another design comp without it. Go to InVisionapp.com forward slash rocket ship and sign up to get their starter plan free for 90 days. Um, Sam, tell us... Tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now.
3: So I've mainly been working on this app called Whiskey for the last month or so. It's a markdown editor for Mac and iOS. It's like this real nerdy, real nerdy thing. It kind of a break from my freelance work. The past like several months I've been freelancing um, and worked on a bunch of different projects. So.
0: so how do you typically balance like the freelance and then the uh, project development?
3: I mean, I kind of think of it as I'm trading like, time for money and then trading that money for time.
0: Okay. <laughs>
3: <It's> <laughs> silly, but I'll do a bunch of freelance work kind of all in a row. And I'll still hack on stuff like nights and weekends, but not very much. And I'll kind of save up and try to do a big chunk of, you know, a couple months on my own stuff. Uh, and kind of with the goal to have something that could be sustainable by the end of that, which is interesting because it provides a lot more focus for like the types of projects I work on. Uh, not the sense that like all I care about is money, but I'd work on something that could be a business, not just something that's for the fun of it.
0: So how do you choose those projects as you're, I mean, I imagine there's, there's probably months of, of thinking and planning even while you're doing the freelance before you get into them.
3: I tend to only work on stuff that I care about or like have a, like that's solving a problem I have, at least for my own projects. So I'll usually just like think through all the problems I have and one that would be fun to solve that could possibly solve problems for other people. That would be valuable enough for them to pay for that solution.
0: Okay, yeah. So, what are what is kind of what are some of your your I don't want to say big hits, but what, what are what are some of the more popular apps that you've built recently that have been able to, to bring to bring in some steady revenue for you?
3: Well, that's never been my strong suit, unfortunately. So I keep doing uh, freelance work. But uh, Cheddar was probably my most well known product. Uh, it was a to do list for web, Mac, iOS. There was an API, so there was, like, an Android app someone built and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, I, I worked on that for about, a, like, almost a year and then sold it. And then since then, I worked on a project called Rune, which is a blogging platform. I did that with my friend, Drew Wilson. We were just kind of unhappy with the current blogging offerings. And this was, like, right before Medium came out. And it was kind of, like, a very interesting time in, in that space. And we worked on this thing for a while, and it's kind of over now.
0: Well, you recently had kind of some interesting, I don't know, tweets, conversation about it. There, I guess there were some bugs, and you seemed to be a little bit frustrated. What was going on when, as you were kind of live streaming this?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of how I work. Like, I'm just super public and open about everything, and I feel like it works. I don't know. It's kind of my style. It's, it's like whatever. But anyway, I got attacked by Russian spammers a couple months ago, and that was like really – time consuming to like combat all of these spammers, creating like hundreds and hundreds of posts a second, you know, like just hammering the system with like, you know, Viagra stuff or whatever, you know, just like linking to things. So if you give someone like a domain and they can put whatever they want on it, it's kind of like asking for problems. But so like fighting that was time consuming. I sort of had a solution in place, but that was still like in the back of my mind that maybe I'm like being this terrible internet citizen, like allowing all of these people to use my platform. And then someone was emailing me the day that kind of like started all this, like, Hey, there's this like spam article that's hurting my SEO and I want you to take it down. And it's like, well, like it's just some like terribly written article about something that happens to link to you. Like, how do I know that this is spam. Like I have to come up with some policy for this. Like, Oh, I don't have time to like (laughs) deal all this nonsense. And there's like tons of people like, The delete your account thing doesn't work quite right. So like I get bunches of email like I want you to delete my account or photo uploads don't work for whatever reason for some people. And there's just like I get a lot of email now. And I guess kind of what started to spur this on besides like that specific specific thing to like dealing with the spammers. I was doing this together with my friend Drew and he was like, hey, I have too much going on. Like why don't you just take it over? And I was like, "Okay." like a month ago at that time, the support email started coming to me before I went to a shared inbox that no one checked. So I was like actually seeing all this like day to day. And it was just like really overwhelming because I have a lot of other things going on. But it looked like things
0: turned around that same day. What what happened?
3: Yeah. So I was, you know, like, hey, I think I'm just going to open source it and turn it off. Or, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Kind of just like, I'm so sad because I don't want to break like Thousands and thousands of blogs. I, mean, I Personally, I have, like, tons of links that point to Rune. Uh, so my personal blog is there. And I was just like, ah, this is, like, terrible because I, I feel like I'm, like, you know, doing bad things to all these people. But there's, like, this is taking, like, time and money and kind of a minuscule amount of money. But it's still, like, you know, there's real resources coming from me that I just can't keep putting into this because I'm getting, like, no return. You were losing, like, just, 200
0: like, a month, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, like – yeah, I, I mean sure it's 200 bucks, but it's more like the time and stuff. Um, you know, it, it's more the point that like it's not making any money at all. Like it's it's not at least breaking even. So, you know, I was just like real depressed about all this and like tweeted it. and there's like tons of responses and a bunch of like product people I really respect were like, just shut it down, like focus, like that's really important. And I was like, you're right. And then there's like tons of people and it's just like everything you make, you just turn off like, you know, you're the worst, like all this stuff. And I was like, oh, what <laughs> No internet. People like going out of their way to be mean. (laughs) Right. Anyway, so. So
0: When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country, or invent a talking pillow. ATT business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built in security controls, Sleep with Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com.
1: Did you feel like your only two choices were do you keep running it yourself or turn it off? Or did you start to maybe look for someone who could carry on the torch for you?
3: Yeah, so I, had, the, the last month or so, I had like shopped around and tried to sell it even for like, you know, next to no money. And they're like, you know, we just, like, don't want to take it on because I don't think we'll be able to, like, make, make it profitable in however long and given the current, like, code and everything. It's just fine, whatever. But, I I mean, I was that was definitely, like, the best scenario so I could find someone to take it over. Uh, and actually, the founder of Ghost, it's uh, ghost.org. It's this, like, really great open source blogging platform. Um, it's actually really cool. They're not for profit. And they're actually all based in Egypt, which is, like, kind of cool, I guess. I don't know. Um, but their, their platforms like really great. And he emailed me, he's like, Hey, or like tweeted, like, Hey, we should talk. And I was like, absolutely. And we got on Skype like a couple minutes later and they're actually taking over Rune and everyone migrating all the users. And like, they're making a custom theme that's just for Rune. So like everyone that's using it now, like their blog will look the same. It'll, you know, work better. And now they can use this, their really great dashboard versus ours. That was, you know, old and needed a lot of, needed a lot of love. So I think it's like a really awesome um, outcome because like the users get to keep all their stuff and we're not breaking like, you know, tons of blogs and, you know, the Ghost people get a bunch more users and, you know, I'm uh, an advisor now for Ghost and I-, I think it worked out, you know, well for everyone involved. So it was like, it was funny in the course of just a couple hours of just like tweeting all this stuff, it, it went from like, gosh, I am so depressed about all of this to like, this is like the best outcome I could have hoped for. So um it was really great.
2: Yeah. So when you're going through these cycles of working for other people to build up some cash flow and then turning around and using that cash to work on your own projects, how long of a cycle are you trying or how much of a time period are you trying to, to save up to work on your own stuff?
3: I mean it kind of depends from, you know, just like I, I was traveling for a bit, so that was like, you know, more expensive than just like working from home normally. Or I recently like, you know, like got a motorcycle and I'm not like super uh, disciplined, I guess. So it kind of depends on financially whether things are happening. Um, But I usually try for uh, at least like two months of, of solid time um, before I have to like start the process of trying to find a client again.
0: And what do you look for in that client? Is there like um, certain requirements or, or traits that you're looking for in selecting a good client that uh, you'll be able to kind of exit out of in a couple months?
3: Absolutely. I could definitely talk about like picking clients. Yeah, yeah. It, I've, I've done client work a lot over the past several years and I've found like the, at least for me, like the perfect recipe for a client. I love to come in and do something from like zero to like V1. And a lot of that's, like, helping them, like, finalize their idea and, and, you know, figure out all the little nuances and work with the designer on the first version to help them. You know, most of my clients, if they have a designer, it's their first mobile app or one of their first mobile apps. So they're not super familiar with, like, all the iOS conventions. So, yeah, I'll, I'll love to come in and just help take something from zero to, you know, V1. And then, you know, usually I'll hand it off and they'll, like, hire a team around it or, you know... This is good for now. We'll get some more contractors later. And that's worked really, really well for me in the past.
0: And so it's usually just you on the project?
3: Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the past, I've worked with other friends. The two of us worked together on a couple of things. But now um, i have just done the last couple by myself. Nice, nice. So
1: what's your role like with that? Is it purely development or are you coming in as like a full product consultant, everything from dev to marketing to you name it?
3: I'm usually hired as just a developer and i kind of frame it as like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty expensive compared to most people, I think. And I'll usually frame it as like, you know, if you want to hire like someone to sit in a room and type, like don't hire me because I'm way too expensive for that. Like you're hiring me for like all this other stuff. And it's not so much like, you know, on paper, it's listed that I'm going to like help them with marketing and whatnot. But basically through the whole process, I'm I kind of treat myself like I'm on the team and, you know, have no shortage of like. <laughs> opinion. So I'm, I'm very vocal about like, this is what you should do. In the past, this has worked well for these reasons. But it's, it's interesting that I've never like formally been hired as a designer or marketing or product or whatever. It's, it's usually just development, but kind of knowing that I'm going to provide more than just like typing, which is hard to quantify when I'm like selling myself. But
0: yeah, how do you do the pricing on that? Do you work on like a weekly rate, on a monthly rate, on a project rate?
3: I love to work just by the hour. So I'll tell people like, I think it's going to take like between like X and Y hours. So why don't you, let's just pay for, you know, however many hours and you can do whatever you want with that. And you know, if we run out of time, if you're like, it's going to take longer than that you can buy more. I usually don't schedule things back to back because it always takes longer than we think. (laughs) Right. And that's worked super well because there's no risk on me for, they change their mind, like things are going to go over and, you know, now I'm going to run into my next client's time or... I'm not going to hit the project and now I'm eating all this free hours. Um, I definitely want to avoid all of that. So, you know, I always do just by the hour and that's worked out super well because everyone changes their mind, wants different things. They're going to want to add more features. Like it never works out to just like spec it out and then like build the thing. (laughs) Right. Uh, (laughs) I think if you're just like hiring someone to sit in a room and type, then that's fine. But if you're doing this more like interactive product development thing it doesn't work at all
0: yeah no one has the product development down most of the time when they're going into the project the first time there's so much discovery so that's 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 really cool so how do you balance you're only working on one client at a time right so you you basically dedicate 100 percent to them how do you balance like your motivation when you have something that you want to work on and a project is still going how do you balance that load.
3: So I'm a huge slacker. Okay. Um, Like the worst worst ethic ever. You know, if I put in like 20 something hours a week on a client, that's like a lot of work for me in a week. It's, it's really terrible. So I'll either just like watch Netflix all day or, um, if I'm really excited about something else, I'll like hack on that is like as much time as I possibly can. And then, you know, work on my client as much as I have to like appease them. (laughs) Really selling things. that high? That high <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, you stretch it out longer, it's fine. I'm faster than most, yeah. so it, it, it evens up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like for some things, like I I worked on Tiny with uh, Kevin Rose uh, recently, and that one was like a, a a really big sprint. We were gonna do it in a week, and then ended up doing like two and a half weeks because they changed some things, and added some things, and that I was working like twelve plus hour days the whole time, basically. Yeah. Like, all right, we have to, like, well, we didn't, it was kind of an arbitrary deadline, but it's like, all right, let's, like, finish this thing more to just, like, impress myself with how quickly I can work. And uh, it, it was really good. And then for some things, like, I did this project called Lightly. This is a photo app I did with Cole Rise, and it was editor's choice, and people liked it. But anyway, I took about the same amount of time on that. I, I think it was like a couple hundred or like 130 uh, something hours for Tiny. It was about the same for Lightly, but I did that over, like, five months or something. Okay. Because um, I'm a huge slacker. So <laughs> yeah. part of that, I worked on my own projects like off and on or, you know, he was traveling. So I would just like pause and everything because I needed stuff from him and he was busy, Or So it, it definitely varies from like the client or, you know, my level of interest and whatnot. What was it like working with Kevin Rose? He's awesome. You know, I, I've been a fan from afar, like, you know, watched Ignition like
0: yeah. for a long time, and, yeah.
3: you know, like, you know, very aware of who he was and was a big fan and and I hadn't followed him for a little bit, just like cleaning up my Twitter feed a couple, you know, a while back. And he tweeted at me out of the blue, he was like, Hey, can you follow me? I want to DM you. And I was like, Man, I just became like High School Sam's hero just now. <laughs> uh, I was like, Yeah, sure, I'll follow you so you can DM me. Uh, and he's like, Hey, you know, we, we have this idea. And he, he's like presented like a really rough idea and one screenshot Mark Camion had designed, their designer. Mm. And he was like, yeah, like, we want to make an app. Like, I was like, cool. You know, I think it'd be about this much money and take a week. Like, let's do it. And, you know, I did all the server and iOS and stuff. But working with Kevin was great because he was, um, like, I kind of expected him to be, like, more of a hand-wavy, like, business guy, you know? Yeah. And he was, like, incredible at at products. And, like, you know, he, like, wireframe things out. And, like, Mark would go, like, polish it up. And they worked, like, really well together. I was surprised, like... I guess you just expect someone like high profile like that to not actually like do anything anymore. They're just like, you know, know everyone and can make things happen. But he's like super awesome at at, at product and you know the reasoning behind features and like all of that. Like very objective. Um, which as an engineer, I am like a big fan of that sort of process. So it was really enjoyable working with them.
0: That's great. Uh, yeah. And I'm
3: actually an advisor to North, so I, I stay pretty involved with. stuff just like more from afar but it's really good
0: yeah that that's really great to hear i I love that he's still hands-on um and still really cares so that's how you build good product
3: yeah he's, he's like full of ideas like what if we try this and you know like uh he's like just really excited about product in general it's very cool to be around
1: so you've spent the last um however many years jumping around between all these different products and client work and um, kind of following where your passion takes you. Do you see yourself continuing to go that route, or do you think you want to like find one thing to really focus all your attention on?
3: I don't know. I go back and forth in this a lot. So I I, just, I was doing you know like websites and Mac apps before iOS, and then you know iOS since day one. So that's like since '08, I guess from from iOS. Anyway, like a long time, and since then I've only had a job for up to a year. I'll switch jobs every year or like do freelance or move around. I, I like you know, don't stay in one in one spot. And cheddar's the longest I've worked on something that's mine. I think it was like seven months or something. Uh, and I like it was like some of the best time of my entire life. I like really enjoyed working on something every day that people were like really excited about. And the reason I stopped is not because I ran out of, you know, motivation or passion for it. I just like ran out of money and, and couldn't raise any. Because no one wants I was like 22, 23 at the time and no one wants to give like one 22-year-old kid like a bunch of money. So like you got to get a co-founder at least and I was like, okay, and then it didn't work out and anyway, so I'm definitely like I'd love to do that again but I don't know if it's at a company because I feel like I'd lose interest really quickly if it's not my idea. I don't know. Motivation's a really important thing to me because I'll lose motivation and then I just like can't do anything. I'll just like watch Netflix for months like I was saying. So I don't know. I definitely like for that to be, and I I would even like love for that to be at a company, but so far I just haven't been excited enough about any of that kind of thing. So I'm enjoying my freedom to like bounce around and work on a bunch of things and kind of do whatever I want, which has been fun. But it's also kind of like, you know, I've been freelancing for a year and a half now since my last job and the whole point was to like save up some money and do whatever I want. And I'm a year and a half in and it's like, well, what do I want? <laughs> I have no idea. So I'm just like working on whiskey because it's fun. I don't think it's going to like take off or be this huge thing everyone knows about. It's just this fun little app I like working on. <clears throat> so uh, that's what I'm doing for now. And I'll figure it out after that.
2: So you talked about trying to, to make more off of fewer projects and kind of redefine the success of a project instead of working on, all these side projects, which I've seen myself go through a similar transition of being fully employed and wanting to be able to just go and do the the Drew Wilson, Sam sofas thing of just work on my own stuff and, and be free. But then that gets kind of old pretty quick when you're not making money and it's not sustainable. So with whiskey and with future projects, how are you ensuring that you're going to, you know, make more off of them? Is it a change in the business thinking? Is it a change in which ideas you choose to work on?
3: So I told myself a while back, I'm never gonna do anything social or anything I don't charge for day one ever again. That's kind of I guess the mindset I go into like picking things. And it's not I mean, I think having that like, mission or whatever you want to call it, like shapes all of my, you know, ideas and features and like, every little detail of the whole process thinking that like okay this isn't going to be free so like okay if it's not free people expect a high level of quality okay so you know that's going to put more polish in here I mean it 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 cascades through the whole process I don't know I mean I just at least just try to pick things that fit in those parameters and I really like subscription things because it's a lot more sustainable but I've had trouble coming up with things that I think are valuable enough to pay for on a monthly basis that's not like a business to business product, which isn't fun to work on. So, you know, I don't want to just like sell my soul and make stuff that would just like make a bunch of money. Cause I feel like I could do a bunch of enterprise things and do decently well because most enterprise software is terrible. But I'd like to have things that people use. So, I don't know. I know IA Writer, which is the, another Markdown app that's uh, decently popular. Like they sustain three people on this, like in their company, like full time on just this like Mac app and iOS app. So, I feel like there's an, enough money in this space that I could at least like pay my rent for a little while. And it's something I really enjoy working on personally. So, it's kind of like a compromise in the sense that, like, I don't think it's going to be like immensely successful, but I, I feel like it would do okay enough to justify spending all this time on it.
2: Yeah, I totally see that. With, um, I think whiskey could easily be a one off thing at a, at a fairly high price. I mean, IA Writer isn't cheap, is it? It's not like a 99 cent app.
3: No, I think it's... I don't remember how much their their iOS app is. I think the Mac app's like over $10. And I think you the app's over 5
2: You have the people out there that are like, oh my gosh, it's more than a, a dollar or two. But for every person that freaks out, I think there's plenty more that happily pay for it. You have apps like Sketch out there, which is obviously, obviously much bigger. Kaleidoscope. There's, there's plenty of high-quality apps that people are happy to pay a lot for.
3: Sure. Yeah, I was thinking probably like... 15 to 20 for the Mac and maybe like five to 10 for iOS. I haven't really decided though. I don't know. We'll see. Easy. And it's interesting though. I've been thinking a lot about pricing lately. I had this app called shares. um, this, this like stocks app that's decently popular. That's actually how Kevin Rose found me, which is just which is funny. Um, he thought it was just like really successful thing and was like impressed with it. And it was like, yeah, there was like, I've made like five grand in this like all time. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It's, and it's featured like all, I'm, I'm going guarantee you it's featured right now. I haven't even looked, but I'm wow. sure like, it's featured like constantly because there's like nothing in this category, like top paid in finance is a hundred downloads. It's uh, like wow. so small because all of it's the free app from your bank. It's not like no one's paying for stocks app unless it's like they're getting the free Bloomberg app and doing the subscription or something. Yep, um, yep. So I was like trying to sell shares and, and Kevin's like, why don't you just make it free and get a bunch of users and then. Someone be more interested in buying it. I was like, okay, I'll do that. Uh, I made it free and got like, you know, thousands and thousands of downloads a day for a while, which I was getting like maybe twenty a day before I paid. So it's making me think about freemium a lot more recently. But I don't know. I mean, Cheddar was freemium and it didn't do super well, so it was a freemium subscription, which is a little more nuanced, I guess. So I don't know. I was, I've been thinking through that for whiskey. If there's anything I can do, but I feel like. In-app purchasing a text editor is ridiculous. So, uh, so I don't know. It's an interesting thought though.
2: Yeah, it's interesting all the different ways that you can, you can do it. And it changes with every product. Like with shares, what Kevin's saying makes a lot of sense. With whiskey, maybe not so much. But with every idea, you have to step back and think about the right way to price it. And if you do it wrong, it could be the difference between a $100 project and a $100,000 project. So yeah, it's cool. So where uh, where can everyone
3: keep up with you online? So I am Sophus on everything, S-O-F-F-E-S. That's the, one of the benefits of having a made-up last name. So <laughs> it's never taken.
2: <laughs>
3: awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much, guys. We really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocketship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm.
0: And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our newsletter, where twice monthly we send out actionable advice for entrepreneurs and exclusive links to AMAs with our guests. That's Rocketship.fm. Sign up today.